sing a song about things that make you happy? Just happy and you know something. It's happy and you know and you really want to go. It's just happy and you Welcome to our weekly podcast. Um, we usually take turns kind of answering the question uh, each week in particular uh, about why we think it's important. So, uh, Yanju, I think I'm going to ask you this week, um, mm-hmm. why do you think it's important for you to experience delight? I think it's important to experience delight and to talk about it because it feels nice. Absolutely. And I like that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I think that um, in the past I've thought about it only in terms of because then it will give us the kind of the incentive or the push to keep going forward to do our resistance work or liberation work. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's true, but it also just feels good to our bodies and we need things that feel good. Uh, I love that actually, Um, because I think I, I can kind of relate to what you're saying and that, that feeling of where, a lot of this lately has a lot of experiences lately um, have been feeling that everything we do must be in that activism state Mm -hmm. of, of just like um, for all of the, I guess, um, social justice pieces that we've been talking about over the last few podcasts, but in general, just kind of getting right down to the bottom of it is the, the right to just feel good. Like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and that just delight just feels good. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, did you want to start this week to tell me what it is that you came up with? Sure. Yay. So <laughs> what mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about this week was this video I saw on YouTube. And it's uh, just a video film. Someone filmed on their phone, I think. And... The setting is in the States somewhere, and David Foster, who is a musician, songwriter, he Mm -hmm. writes big power ballads for like Celine Dion and Beyonce. (laughs) He uh, has, uh, I think, some kind of lecture or a Mm -hmm. concert. It's not a full-on concert. It's in some kind of a lecture hall, and he's Mm -hmm. having a question and answer section. Um, And the video starts out with um, this person filming this Asian woman off to the side. She just has like her jacket and purse on. And I think he's taking in song requests. And so she says the song that she likes. Mm-hmm. And I think he re- he invites her to sing a little bit of it. Like at first he says, you know, we can't play the whole song. So what's the section that you like? And we can play it. Mm-hmm. And um, so she's holding the microphone to kind of talk to him. And she starts singing to that part. Mm-hmm. And he's playing with his band behind him. And at one point he says... Uh, wait, just come up here, come up here. <laughs> and yeah. so he invites her to stage and she goes up. And and I think his intention was to play just a little bit. 
but I think he plays almost a whole song and she sings amazing. She just hits (laughs) all the crazy high notes and it's not just about hitting the notes. She's so emotional. She's so like, she just sings it. She just hits it out of the park. And as she goes down, um, uh, down off the stage, he says to her, wait, what was your name? what was your name is Korea? Like he even like calls her something like that. Oh no. Yeah. And, uh, and I think she answers, but even before you hear her, you hear people from the audience saying it's Ailey. And he's like, what? I Lee. And she, and they're like, no, it's Ailey. And what I knew watching the video that he didn't know is that she's a really famous singer r&b ballad singer mm-hmm. in korea like she's super famous mm-hmm. and this video gave me so much joy because um because i think it captures something about what it's like to be an asian in america because mm. um, what's funny is so she's she's korean american she mm. was born in denver colorado so she mm. speaks english like perfectly and with an American accent right and because she wants to be a singer and because essentially the the chances of you becoming a big singer in America in the U.S. very low (laughs) in the states she goes to Korea so she so she didn't even speak Korean but she went and she learned Korean in Korea so that she could be a singer and then she like beat all the odds and she became this huge star and she went back to the States to see David Foster give this talk, a little concert and this lecture hall and she gets to sing for him Mm. and and like just that journey, what that represents of her not being fully who she is in the States to like mm-hmm. grow her potential, needing mm-hmm. to go back to Asia to do that, to learn Korean to do that. Even though she was born in Denver, Colorado. Exactly. Right? To then yeah. go back and then be able to be like, hey, what? Who are you? You know? Yeah. And, um, and all the Asians know who she is. Mm. But he doesn't none of the non-asians there do mm-hmm. and it made me think about all the immigrants who leave their countries their careers mm-hmm. to start over again somewhere for mm-hmm. a better opportunity but like no one knows who they are no one mm-hmm. knows that they were lawyers and doctors where they come from mm-hmm. no one knows that like they have um like a whole life before mm-hmm. their move and mm-hmm. just how hard it is for someone who let's say was a lawyer in their first country to become that again like mm-hmm. I think that's like so amazing we we hear about like um like uh I think of like Mindy Kaling her mm-hmm. her mother was a doctor in India and then she became she went through the process to become a doctor again in the states and like Mm -hmm. it's so easy to say but that process is so painful and hard and I feel like Ailey something about Ailey up there on stage something about her surprising David Foster like it captured something about 
like our Asian American, Asian North American immigrant experience. And it made me so happy that she could do that. And you can mm-hmm. see her so happy, just like being it. this yeah, unknown, singing in front of her like hero. And to yeah. have see her and hear her. Like, uh, how bittersweet. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. It's well, and it's also this uh yeah, to be able to finally be seen and understood by actually your own country. Because yes. technically this is her country. Yes, and they right. have invisibilized her. And so yeah. now that she's back, it's like you do you see that you haven't seen me until now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, it, that's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. And like <sighs> the fact is, one of the reasons why I want to teach Korean to my kids isn't just because, you know, in, uh, to talk to my parents, to talk to uh, me in Korean, because that would mm-hmm. be great. But it's also because, let's say, my boys have an interest in being mm-hmm. actors, musicians, like the chances are they'll want to go back to Korea to do that mm. because it's super common to have um, um, Korean diaspora go mm. back to Korea for those things. And that's why you see so many of um, Korean celebrities with like an accent, mm. like an American or some kind of accent. Like uh, uh, there's another actor now who's becoming really famous and he was born in Germany. He's Korean background. His mm. parents are Korean, but he was born in Germany and he spoke no Korean. And wow. he went to Korea and like he wanted to be an actor. And so he went through that whole process to learn this language because this is the only way he could do it. Yeah. And, uh, it's just painful that that's still the case, that like representation isn't um, something that's available yet to Asia yeah. outside of Asia. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it's, I think it's, yeah, it's bittersweet. It feels bittersweet. Well, I'm very glad that she was able to be seen. That's a very huge component of all of this, right? Like that she was able to be seen that day. And mm-hmm. I just think about that. It, but you're right. Cause, cause you're right. It's like, um, I, I have a friend here that was telling me, like, because she's an actor too, and it's like, anytime you go to take an actor position here in Canada, you are not really asked to be a normal, like your your main character or anything like that. They're asked, they ask you to be, the, like Asian one, like that. That's that. That's mm-hmm. in like you're you're the stereotyped Asian person because that's how mm-hmm. people see us here. And so mm-hmm. like the the character that you play must be an Asian character, not just mm-hmm. a, a regular person who's going to be mm-hmm. in a role. And mm-hmm. it's and it is a very interesting thing how much our 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 existence is do is in view of our actual body. And that yeah. that's not questioned as the yes. one community, right? Yes. If I, they, like, no one's going to say, well, we need a German person to play this. Are you, you can yeah. you do this? It, it's yeah. just, if you're, because it, it's actually, when they talk about diversity, that's even the thing. It's like that diverse piece, it's it diverse from, from white, right? So yeah. yeah. If as long as you're white, you can play a normal character. But if once you're not that, then you have to, you don't get to play that. 
Mm-hmm. Nor- that normal quote unquote character. You're the Asian character. Yeah. You're the Asian character. So mm-hmm. um, I think that exactly shows that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that's Thank my piece. <laughs> I love it. What joy she must have felt. Oh, yes, <laughs> you can so- see it. You can see her just so comfortable on stage. It's uh, It just makes me so happy to... Uh, think of her on that stage you know when I heard the story like just now even when you said it to me and I kind of took in that breath of fresh air and it kind of felt this I could feel this release of Mm -hmm. a like joy on her behalf of how Mm -hmm. nice that must have felt to be vindicated yeah yeah you know (laughs) for sure okay Lily yes what would you like to share this week um Yeah, you know what, I was really thankful that you shared with me, um, there was this festival collection that you shared with me the other day called Tending the Roots, and uh, Resma Menachem was on it, uh, and he actually did the opening, the opening act, it's not the act, but like he was the first uh, guest speaker. And mm-hmm. uh, as as you mentioned, we I think I don't know if we talked about him before, but um, I know we've talked about him in the past. Uh, but uh, he wrote the book uh, My Grandmother's Hands, and it's a mm-hmm. it's a very powerful book about um, trauma and and um, racial trauma. And mm-hmm. and I um and so he was talking about uh well in particular he was talking about um. Uh, somatic abolitionism and the shift the the title of his talk was called the shift from strategy to culture and uh, like given everything that's been going on over this last uh well I mean forever but um since uh and and it was just following the Derek Chauvin trial the verdict of the Derek Chauvin trial and he was talking about how so many people these days are trying to ask give me the tools in order to figure out like how to how to stop racism or how to deal with white supremacy or like, just give me the tools and I'll go and fix it. Mm-hmm. And he was, and, and, and he, he had been challenging everyone at the, in the session to just say like, you know, we're not looking for this strategy to fix it, but really like looking at how to create a culture of, of being more aware of ourselves and to do the, to do the work within ourselves to actually, mm-hmm. Um, take a pause, essentially, as he said, to reflect on what this all feels like as we're hearing what's going on, as we are sensing all of these things. Like, is there discomfort there? And what does that feel like? And can we lean into it to ask ourselves, like, more about our traumas to to break those through? And I and he had spoken about like there was this one woman that that really really like resonated with me. Um, she had told him how after hearing the verdict of the Derek Chauvin trial, she felt like she was on fire. Mm-hmm. And at first it was quite funny because she was literally sitting in her room and the, the sun was like going into the room and she was sitting I love it and there was I watched so much it too. sun. Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then she was like, he was like, well, first sis, like get out of the sun because you're literally in the sun. So like get <laughs> your face out of the sun. And that I laughed out loud so oh, hard. She's talking about this feeling of being like on fire and she just like can't <laughs> she is literally asking in the sun that she was like, Well, what do you want me to do in England? And you never get sun, so you and you're in it. You have to bask in it. I have to be in this. 
but I'm on fire right now. (laughs) Anyway, so that in itself brought me joy, but only because of how like literal and, and metaphorical she was speaking and the seriousness in what she was saying, but also how he had how he had made her laugh by just saying get out of the sun for one minute <laughs> and then <laughs> you can get back in it just yeah. please <laughs> just get off it now because if you're saying you're concerned of this fire feel get out so <laughs> but so there's that but then he was like you know I want to I want to ask you though through this because obviously and and basically because of the fact that like um you know, more seriously, that the the verdict for the trial was many people were saying, oh, what a win this was, how great it was that, you know, finally there was justice. But the truth is, is that none of it brings George Floyd back. None of this is actually a good feeling. This is still a a terrible feeling, actually, because now that this has brought closure, it also brings grief and all the other pieces that come with it, because, um, you know, specifically like there were a lot of comments even Nancy Pelosi was like oh this is what the great sacrifice George Floyd you know did and and we should and it was like that's so not what that was he wanted to live so mm-hmm. how can you even say that he never gave himself up for this right so it's very very twisted the way that all of this has looked and that many of many people are feeling this grief and sorrow and confusement confuse confused feelings because of um how some seem to be celebrating but others are not they're quite angry and yeah um and then he asked her well you know like who's holding you through all of this yeah and she was like yeah that's really powerful hmm and he goes no I'm not I'm not I'm not asking you to pose it's not a rhetorical question Mm -hmm. I'm actually asking you who is holding you through all of this Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm and I think he had to ask about four times before she actually realized that he was actually asking her, but that she actually didn't. Later, she actually said, I didn't think I needed anybody to hold me at mm-hmm. all. And, mm-hmm. that, and that she'd been dealing with this trauma and this grief all by herself. Right. She, she had been dealing with this all by herself and that it's really hard. And and that until he said that, that she didn't realize that she hadn't reached out to anybody about this. Mm. She hadn't connected with anybody about it. She hadn't mm. like voiced frustration to share with mm-hmm. anybody that this was hard for her. Mm-hmm. And so no wonder she was just burning inside. But that mm-hmm. he also said that this burning is communal. Mm-hmm. It's a communal burning. This mm-hmm. is this is not just within you. It's within many people. Many of your siblings are experiencing this burn Mm -hmm. and I thought about that going because this trauma is it 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 uh, it needs to be it it, like we need to in order to heal trauma it has to be you know like um there's this sharing of uh, of being able to be held have space held for you yes you need to be seen you need your trauma to be seen Yes, you need your trauma mm-hmm. to be seen. And and that space that someone can hold for you to literally hold you or to connect with you to be like comforting you. Mm-hmm. Um it it's a it's such a powerful thing. And when he said it, she she broke down realizing that she hadn't even thought that she needed anybody to hold her. 
And it re I reflected on that because a lot of times, actually, even when I'm going through something, I find myself just going, yeah, yeah, it's fine. I'm going to deal with this. And I deal with this by myself. I rarely share like how I'm like how I'm feeling genuinely or, or like mm -hmm. I hold a lot inside. And mm -hmm. as a, re a result, like that metaphorical burning that she was talking about, like I was re mm -hmm. I've, I've been feeling that I think in my mm -hmm. body in a lot of different ways, like my whole life, mm -hmm. like just feeling mm -hmm. this burning inside that I can't really explain. And over this last while, I've, I do feel that metaphorical fire. Yeah. And it, it's been like hard to kind of talk about experience because the other piece of it is that like um, friendships and, and, and relationship, you know, it's not that easy to always talk about, especially in the case of white supremacy. Um, it makes so many people uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's really hard, you know, like, mm -hmm. so, so there's, there's so many challenges about having to find somebody to deal with that trauma, like, or mm -hmm. to hold space for you in trauma because in these types of things, because if people haven't grappled it with themselves within themselves, then it's actually not necessarily a safe space to do that. Yeah. And I think that that's been really hard for me in general. That has been hard. But then I was thinking about it and even hearing what you just shared with me about, uh, you know, Yanju about the um, Ailey, about mm -hmm. her experience. I thought about it like, what a delight that was. Why? Because somebody held space and held mm -hmm. her while mm -hmm. she experienced the light. Mm -hmm. Like, cause you need, it's not just like, if I experience joy, I go good for you. Like she probably sings in her bathroom all the time. She's just sitting there mm -hmm. singing and doing this thing, like her dream, mm -hmm. she's singing, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean nearly as much unless um, there's a community or this communal holding of space for this mm -hmm. delight. And mm -hmm. you could see it in her body when she was like, wow, I'm seen. And this is delight. Like to mm -hmm. for other people to witness my delight. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. an importance that is. And I think that especially in the time of coronavirus, especially in the time of, of um, just all of these challenges like that are happening with us right now uh, when it comes to social justice, um, in particular these days, racial justice, a lot of these things where... Um, and and actually, and even to get right down to it, you know, just our everyday delight, like you were talking about earlier, that everyday delight, just because it feels good. Yeah. It's hard when there's not someone to share it with. Mm -hmm. And and it's to ask ourselves, you know, um, who is there to hold us for that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... I feel like it's not just the trauma piece that is that we have to find, make sure that there's someone that is safe to be able to hold us in that. But it's also delight that there's somebody that you can, you know, delight with. Mm -hmm. And and that it's a communal thing. It's a communal mm -hmm. thing. And so I was really inspired by that this week. And I felt like, and it was actually really emotional for me because, you know, um, over this last while, you know, it's it has been hard to kind of recalibrate with, um, you know, trying to read like and I don't know if you can relate to this, but like as we learn and unlearn and do the growing and changing within ourselves, sometimes it's really hard to explain that to the people that we know already. Yeah. And when you change 
you you really like I've heard this saying where where some like uh, someone famous probably said this I can't remember who but it was like every night when you go to sleep you die and you wake up and you're somebody new mm. and and that multiple like you know that 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 being a new person um you want to be seen as that new person and yeah. sometimes you don't even know how to be that person like I'm yeah. still I like kind of like when you're a cow and you're just you just came out of the womb, you're still kind of wobbly and stuff. And you're trying to be like, yeah. ah, okay, I'm trying to get up now as this new version of me. And, and so it's hard when you're, you're constantly being new again, and you're mm -hmm. constantly learning how to walk in this body or to be in this body and mm -hmm. to be seen by those around you that see you mm -hmm. have seen you in the past, maybe not mm -hmm. see you now. And mm -hmm. I think that there's that struggle there and th that this dissonance has kind of been around for me in this last while of the people who maybe I know I and love and would love to share delight with or share trauma with or have them hold me in it don't necessarily know who I am the way that I want them to know who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think that's been a bit hard. And so... Mm -hmm. I think I'm sharing, I don't know how, I'm, this is kind of long-winded, but I think what I was trying to say is a lot of this is that um, I think that as, um, I think that my my intention for this week is to really start to recognize that it is important for me to have that space to have somebody to hold me through trauma, but also through delight. I really, you know, and, and this is definitely it. A lot of it is to be seen even through this is a way of showing communally and being able to share with you even my delight. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for that. Um, mm -hmm. But that was a huge realization as to actually how important that truly is. Yes, so. the, the insight <laughs> that you need people through the bad and the good. Yeah. And it's hard to... Um, have delight or joy be fully experienced um, yeah. by you when when you don't know who to share that with. Yeah, or if it's just not shared. Or if it's not shared. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. to be like aware of that additional piece of that, um, mm -hmm. because we are we are like mammals and beings that crave community. Yeah, for sure. And that's innate in all of us, I think. Um, yeah. And so it's kind I, of getting down to that, hey? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's <sighs> funny. It it makes me think of this podcast because <laughs> we're talking yeah. about every week the struggles of mm -hmm. finding delight, of sharing the delight if we find it, uh, when we find it. And... Yeah. And on one hand, I know that I have felt, oh, <laughs> what's the point sometimes? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But then on the other hand, it's just the nature of like being a human. We want to yes. share. We want yes. to be seen. Um, yes. We want others to understand our experience. Yeah. And, and that goes for not just trauma, but also for delight. Yes. Mm. <sighs> good. Very good, Lily. Oh, That's great. Oh, thank Thanks you. for sharing. Oh, 
Well, thank you too. That was so healing actually to share that with you and to hear yours as well. It's nice. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll keep doing it and we'll keep mm-hmm. practicing it. We'll keep yes. holding space for each other yes. to, uh, yeah, to journey through uh, finding delight mm-hmm. and sharing it together. Um, and I hope that uh, the listeners experience some delight through listening to us. Yes. <laughs> uh, I hope so too. <laughs> We'll be back next Saturday uh, with another podcast of Call to Delight. Uh, we'll catch back with you about um, the things that bring us joy, delight, and our struggles through it. See you then. I love you so much. If I'm I need a hug.